You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hello and welcome back to Fan Critical's coverage of The Walking Dead. It's season 9, episode 14, entitled Scars. Any hints on what we're getting on this one? Um, and this week I am, as always, your host Emma and I am joined by Len. Hey, how's it going? Unfortunately, our angry man-child of a John has gone missing in the woods and we haven't quite found him yet. So. Yes, he. I heard he was horny like Henry and he's just disappeared somewhere. Yes. Chasing, frolicking, chasing women. So, so we here. Yeah. Um, so we've got yet another uh, dirty duo going on this week to talk about this episode. Mm. Um, I'm going to kick off with overall thoughts. We'll go through our blueberries, uh, then we will talk through the episode in full, and then move our way on to Comic Corner. Um, but yeah, I thought I'd take this one myself. Yeah, go for first. it. You go shoot. Fucking love this episode. Mm. We 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 quite often are negative about episodes that just focus on one set of characters um, because not often is it done particularly well. This was spectacular. Um, we've been asking about the backstory and kind of filling in some of the gaps between now the and six scars. years ago. The oh, back scars! Been asking yeah. for them, haven't we? Yeah. Now we know how it happened, and oh my fucking god, what the hell? What I mean, jumping yeah. between the past and the kind of present scenario. Mm. Two of our, I mean, our best characters at the moment. The best Michonne, actors, the best actors on the show. Yeah, Michonne, Daryl, absolutely bloody fantastic. Yeah, and uh, this is the first of the season for me. So five out of five blueberries. Ooh, boy, howdy! That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I've been waiting for one to blow my mind like this. Yeah, I voluntarily almost watched it three times. I have to say, I'm going to echo the five blueberries yes! and give it uh, five blueberries. Also, I did not think. They had it in them anymore. I didn't think that the show had the ability to craft an episode that is this excellent. Um, in all all elements. Like. I just think the sole focus of the episode is obviously, uh, you know, what happened in the past and relating that to the situation that, that Michonne Alexandria finds itself in at the moment with the Whisperers on, yeah. on the horizon. And I just thought, just from a directorial standpoint, the episode was crafted excellently. It felt like a complete thing, a short story, if you will, that yep. you could package up. Obviously, the context of what's gone on around it is very important, but on a, as a bottled episode, it was excellent. The acting from Daryl, from Denai uh, Guerrera in this episode, Michonne, was brilliant. And Absolutely brilliant. 
Both of I them. was just buzzing to have an episode like this, especially when I was really disappointed, but, you know, when I first started watching the episode because I thought we were going to get the fair sometime soon. It's clear now that the fair is going to be the season finale. Yeah, it's that's pretty clear to me now. Um, but I'm okay with that. If I'm okay with it. In these gaps. I'm okay with it. But my worry was that the, the episode 14 and 15 were going to be absolute filler, like just filler. But this out of nowhere clipped me over the head like Lucille yep. and blew my brains out. I absolutely loved it. Five blueberries. I'm sure John. I know him very well. I know him very well, as do you. And he'd definitely echo this. I think he would give this yeah. a five, um, just for the sheer way it was put together. Let alone the acting. Let alone the the, the harrowing story that we get. Oh my god! Not have we had since, say, the Grove that episode with Carol yes. and the flower. Look into the flowers. I was talking about that earlier. Yeah, actually. not since that sort of episode have we had something that's this harrowing, and it's mainly because of something that I know John doesn't really like, which is you know violence against children. In fact, none of us like violence against children. I just want obviously to say, not no. say that right now. That sounded bad, but, but it's, it's more violent children. And the thing that scares me they most were in fucking horror, terrifying, terrifying children. I, I oh was, my lord! Genuinely, when I first watched this episode, I was a bit scared. Uh, I not joking. I was getting child's play flashbacks. I was getting, oh. you know, it just these little kids with knives. I was like, Jesus, man! I've got. I mean, you, you talk about it, but the the weight of the acting, the storyline, even the the way that it was set up, every the way it was shot, absolutely bloody fantastic. Yeah, and the the pacing was right. I mean, yeah, jumping between two timelines usually in The Walking Dead, is messy as hell. They've always struggled to sort of jump between characters and mm. timelines. This time it just worked. It all fit into place like a perfect jigsaw. And it actually gave us a very important, you know, backstory to to the characters. The six years have passed and we needed to know why Michonne had become the character that she had become. Uh, and this really filled in those gaps, and Daryl as well, to an extent, you know, yeah. and you can understand how he's been so isolated now. And, you know, it's just a fantastic episode. Angela Kang has, uh, I feel sorry for Angela in a way, I'll just put this out there right now, that not more people are watching the show at this point, because yeah. it's a shame that Gimple fucked it up so much uh, and literally left her a pile of shit, and she somehow has carved it into art, and she's doing something very decent at least decent better than decent with this season mm. uh, and if she nails the next two episodes i think this is arguably the best season of the walking dead yeah 100 percent. So i totally agree with you that's right. an interesting thing just to think about there it, season nine has been out of this world good comparatively to at least the last two if, or three if, seasons if you, but yeah. this second half second half spot on spot on if you compare season eight with season nine if you showed it to someone who had never watched the show before, like maybe we should, maybe we should show it to like Gareth or Lucy yeah. in the podcast and go, here's season eight, watch that, then watch season nine. I reckon they would just be like, they're just two completely different shows. Yeah. And they really are to an extent, you know, because of the showrunner and, mm. and the way that Kangy has taken it. So Kangy's. well done, Kangy. Well done. Excellent work. Um, who knew that we get another Five blue episodes. That's, that's two five blue episodes. That's pretty impressive, guys. Madness. Well done, Kangas. And if the fair is nailed, Jesus Christ, that could be three five bluebirds. Well, I mean, you've still got two episodes left. Who knows what's going to happen next well, week? That's what I mean, yeah. Good point. Bloody hell. Um, right. Well, on that bombshell of a 
uh, praise that we've given there. Mm. Before we get into bloob the episode, shell. Bl- a bloob shell. Yeah, bloob shell. Yeah, you've been bloobed. Um, before we get onto the episode proper, I think it might be time for a very quick advert break. Oh, for f- Hello, it's the advert break. Sorry to interrupt your enjoyment of our chat about The Walking Dead. What an episode. We've got some really exciting news. Uh, Lots of exciting news about Mm. stuff coming up. And most importantly, today we launched officially our Game of Thrones podcast channel, Bastards and Broken Things. Yes, Bastards and Broken Things. So just anyone listening to The Walking Dead podcast, I'm sure you also love Game of Thrones. If you do love Game of Thrones and you like us talking about The Walking Dead, you will definitely love us talking about Game of Thrones. So if you do like that, please uh, type in Bastards and Broken Things into any of your podcast apps, or, you know, just, you know, search for it. You'll find us. It's a Game of Thrones podcast. It's our special Game of Thrones podcast. If you could subscribe to that, that'd be excellent. We're going to have a couple of episodes before the release of season eight, which happens in exactly a month from now. Mm -hmm. So... Yep, if you like us and you like Game of Thrones and you like the way we talk about shows, please stop what you're doing right now. Type it into your phone, dead easy. Bastards and broken things. You and can't, you, don't even have to pause. You can you, listen while you do it. You can do it, multitask. Mm. Go across to there and subscribe. We would really, really appreciate it. There's already one episode out where you can hear some of our uh, chats drivel. about the trailer. Drunk and drivel, because we were drunk when we did that Fabulously one. Fabulously drunk and drivel, so, though. Good. Um, yeah, do that. It's going to be really exciting. We're really excited about it, so you should be too. Mm. Um, speaking of which, we've been banging on for the last few weeks about the release of the first episode, and possibly the last episode, of The Worst of Netflix. It is coming. I promise everyone this this concept wow. that John has promised. He's he's like Michelangelo. He is working on that chapel. He's been he crafting. is crafting away in his little little hovel of a suite, and he has finally churned out to me a finished product. And for you listeners, you will receive this on Wednesday. The worst of Netflix. We all can't wait to hear it. It sounds like it's going to be an absolute riot. Yeah. Um, we have recently released our coverage of Captain Marvel. Yeah, which very is good. Also very good. Very good film. Uh, Brie Larson, good Captain Marvel. If you like any of the Marvel stuff, do go check that out. I mean, we couldn't really criticise it. It's kind of like a middle of the road Marvel film, but me and John had some fun with it and Spoilers. we gave our thoughts. Well, you know, you should watch it. Listen to our content, please. <laughs> Um, and last but not least, uh, what we have got coming up in terms of content is our next Stephen King retrospective review of Tommy Knockers. Yeah, that's, that's going to be good. It's a weird, out of this world one, Emma. Yep. And uh, that will be that will be hilarious. So if you do like our Stephen King coverage and uh, talking about terrible horror movies, Tommy Knockers is up there. It's not very good, so we're going to have a bit of fun with that. That'll probably be next week. I'm embarking on the read as of tonight after we finish recording this. So stay tuned. That'll be coming in the next couple of weeks. And just to say to anyone who wants to support us further, we've talked about it in a couple of podcasts now, but this is the first Walking Dead podcast where I think we've mentioned it properly. Uh, Patreon. Please support us on Patreon if you have the opportunity to. It is uh, The link is in the show notes. The link is on our website. The link is on our social media channels. Uh, we will release our cast episodes three times a month, which are special episodes where we recast films uh, and movies with different actors. It's hilarious. You will get exclusive access to them. That is only for Patreon members. Not only that, you can talk to us on Discord. There's an option to commission your own podcast there's an option to become a guest once a month on a podcast of your choosing so there's lots there if you want to support us further and you like us chatting 
about films and you want to chat to us about the films and have a bit more interaction, this is a perfect way to do it and we would really appreciate your support. So if you want to make sure that you keep up with all the latest news about our content, Patreon, etc., then you can subscribe to our podcast on all of your podcasting apps um, or you can follow us on social media. Mm. We are at FanCriticalPod on Twitter. Mm, tweety. Fan underscore critical on Instagram. Yep. Fan critical on Facebook. Yes, so just search us for there. Um, we will do our best to make sure that we respond to everything and uh, we'll make sure that we keep you up to speed with everything that we've got going on. Yeah, and email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com with any of your concerns, thoughts, musings or questions. Yes, please do. Uh, but for now, should we get back to The Walking Dead? Let's let's jump in right let's to it. Do it. <laughs> Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Right, so let's talk about the episode proper. Um, I, I actually want to start with the opening scenes. So... I didn't really know what to expect from this week. I knew the title and I thought we might get some flashbacks. I wasn't expecting to see a pregnant Michonne walking yeah. around just doing a bit of stabby in, you know, yeah. killing them zombies and then, you know. Preggers. Yeah, proper preggers as Very, well. Heavily, heavily pregnant. Um, yeah, I love this opening because it brings back memories of my favourite character and a lot of people's favourite character, my boy Rick. Yep. Ricky boy. Oh, Rick. Um, it's great to have these little reminders of him because mm. uh, he's such an important character and, you know, the most important character in a way. Now he's gone, it's, it's you know, it's hard, but I think they're coping very well with the fact that he's not there. Mm. But this is harrowing in its own way because we know that they never recover Rick's body because we know we know he's not there. Yeah. But they don't know that. And the thought of him walking around as a, as, as a zombie or a walker is horrible. Well, it'd be killing you inside, but it, it would. It's killing Daryl and it's killing Michonne. Do you know what I thought was really beautiful about this, actually, was the having seen Michonne this kind of second half of the season really cold and hard was mm. to remember her as someone who's lost the man that she loves more than anything in the world, who is also carrying his child and has no idea where his body is, whether he's RJ. walking around. Like, just heartbreaking. And Denai Guerrero is just spot on. It was nice. So good. Yeah, it's nice to see Michonne in this episode. We got we get the old Michonne, the Michonne yeah. that we knew before this cold version that you just said. And mm. it was nice to see her again. It was nice to see that even though she's lost Rick, she still had a warm heart and she still was yeah. welcoming. And, you know, obviously that goes terribly as we'll, we'll, get, on to, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to later. But it was it was nice to see her like this. And it mm. was nice to see her and Daryl have a strong sort of bond, which is something that we know is there. But we get to see them really work together in this episode in a way we haven't for a very long time. Yeah, and I, and I think we remember it's there, but we haven't seen it for, you know, like you say, a very long time. Yeah. And obviously th- this episode brings that all back together, both past and present. Yeah. I think another very powerful thing within your first five minutes was when, you know, Michonne says to Daryl, are you okay on your own? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, I'm not. Yeah. And like really raw and open and just, I'm not okay on my own. Yeah. And like just devastating and and sad and beautifully done, and I wasn't sure where this was going to go when I first saw this. But actually, the juxtaposition between past Michonne and, and present Michonne was so perfectly done. Like I, I can't get over how good this episode is. Yeah, I think finding I I think finding Rick's gun, uh, which is so iconic, mm. on that bank of the river, must have been devastating. Because you just assume that You'd, the worst, wouldn't well, you? That, well, that, well, they they know he, they they are certain he is dead. Yeah. So the thought is that he's a walker and he's he's wandered off somewhere and they're never going to find him. 
and mm. and that plays heavily on Michonne's mind throughout this past the past scenes that we get in this episode so uh, devastating stuff i love seeing rick's gun i love the fact that judith's got it we know she, we knew she had it um yeah so it's just it's a great little callback to her father and there's lots of other little mentions of rick in this episode which i which i very much enjoyed yeah rick and carl which i which i thought were really yeah, useful and sweet. we'll get on to kind of the major part of that a little bit later on so the, basically the next thing from this point that happens is that aaron comes up to michonne to say you know there's there's people at the gate yeah. Um, and that's perfectly juxtaposed with Daryl turning up with Horny Henry, Lydia, and Connie yeah. in the in the present. Yeah. And uh, and they turn up with these people at the gate, a couple of kids, and this woman looking pretty fucking rough. Who is it? It's Michonne's mate. Yeah, Jocelyn. So what's that all this, about? This is very interesting, and and maybe there is actually something I can talk about in Comic Corner here, um, in regards to Michonne knowing other people. Uh, in in the aftermath of the zombie yes. apocalypse, good. Put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. We'll we'll get back to it later. Um, but it was interesting to see uh, this actress as well. She plays, I think it's Tara in um, True Blood. She's a major character yeah. in True Blood for the first. I knew I recognised her. In fact, she's in every season, but she features very heavily in the first three or four seasons of True Blood. And True Blood, you know, whatever you think about it, started off as a very good show, may have yeah. lost its way a bit, but... I love the first couple she, of seasons. You know, she was a marquee actor in that in that show. So when I saw her again, I was like, oh, wow, they've got her to do this. Mm. And I think it's actually very good casting because I think I think she actually played the role very well and uh, oh, yeah. later on gets very sinister. But um, this was a surprise. It was a surprise. And uh, as a comic reader... There was a moment where I had a thought about something, um, which I can talk about in Comic Corner, but I won't talk about here. So, yeah. Oh, now I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. For for a moment, I wasn't sure about Comic Corner because we've not got a lot of material here. We haven't got a lot this week, but that has triggered something in my brain, which I think would be good to talk about. Hold on for that, guys. Um, No, I think you're right. I think Jocelyn was, it was a, a weird but pleasant surprise. It was kind of... Because I suppose you, you think all the time about, you know, would you bump into people that you know? And if you did, what would it be like? Because like it she would be very, mad. Well, like she very clearly says later in the episode, it's been 15 the, years. The, the odds of like seeing someone that you know that has also survived at this point, 10 years in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, well, at that point, sorry, it was six years in, mm. or four years. Sorry. Good maths, Alex. Uh, Len, <laughs> in the in the zombie apocalypse is mad, you know. Yeah. So... It's, yeah. it's hardcore if you it's, survive. It's that hardcore long. if you survive. Yeah. You know. Well, you shouldn't survive for long, but. Well, um, spoiler, but, but yeah. There are some kind of, there are some nice moments between them where they're talking about, like, you know, Michelle's always been this determined person, and we know her as that anyway. Um, and, and the fact that they, they grew up um, together by the sounds of it. High school. Yeah. Like that sort of Quite stuff. Quite a formative years. They were best mates. Yeah. It seems that they were like best mates growing up, and Michonne even alludes later in the episode to the fact that you know she was there for her when her mum died yep. she was there for her throughout high school all the things and, that, and that's why she found it so hard to believe the events that unfold later on Ugh. in the episode and there is quite a nice you know set of scenes where you've got everyone hanging out with the kids and it all seems really lovely because how mm. often does a big group of kids and one adult survive? Not often. Now we know why. Yeah, that was weird. I was thinking about that. That is bizarre, isn't it? It was It was quite jarring, I thought. I, yeah. I Well, we all know where this story's going because the moment we see these past flashbacks, we know it's leading up to an event that has scarred, yeah. pardon the pun, oh. our two major characters at least and 
closed off Alexandria and the other communities to an extent. But I don't think we ever anticipated it was going to be like this, did we? No, but no. I was always looking at those children thinking something's going to go wrong here. Yeah, so something awful yeah. was going to happen, but yeah. I never imagined it was going the way it was going. But at the same time, in the kind of present timeline, you've got Daryl turning out with Henry, Lydia and Connie. Yes, And um, follow on from last week's excellent showdown. Yep, yeah, excellent. And... Um, Aaron's not really sure about letting them in, but... Yeah, he's but gone Michonne's... full closed book now after the whole Jesus shenanigans. Yeah, but you can understand that. You, I mean, yeah, I get it. And I think can. Aaron is becoming more and more the uh, character old I like. Old Man Rick. He well, looks, or he old looks Rick, just yeah. like Old Man Rick. I mean, I know Actually, yeah. the fandom joke about it quite a lot, but he, he, he genuinely looks... If you compare him side by side with the comic panels of Rick, with his arm and, Fuck, yeah. and, his, and his beard... He is a spitting image of Old Man Rick. It's just funny that Old Man Rick is still surviving in The Walking Dead somehow. It just blows my mind every time I see it. I like it. that. I'd not no, really thought sweet. of it. No, it's sweet. It's sweet, but it's just it's a bit jarring for me. It's a nice homage, though. Yeah, very much so. Probably is an homage, you know. Yeah. The arm is definitely an homage. Oh, um, yeah. You'll see that, and if you read the comics, you'll see the arm is very similar. Yeah. Reminds me a bit of Jamie Lannister. Very much so. I mean, yep. Jay, unfortunately for Jamie in a Game of you know, Game of Thrones, I mean, that's a spoiler for Game of Thrones, Emma, so if no one's seen it, but he his arm's yeah. a bit more golden and not as uh, robotic in a way. His is slightly... Rusty. Re- yeah, very more rusty, that rusty. one. Rusty. Mm. Um, yeah, so, but Michonne, and this is, I think, where we start to see the, um, the hints towards what's going to happen in the past has happened, we're going to see happen, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Uh, with the trust that still lies between Michonne and Daryl, regardless of what's happened in the interim, uh, because she says, well, I tr- I, he, Aaron says, I don't trust her looking at um, Lydia, I assume. Fair point, though. That's totally fucking fair, yeah. I mean, for everyone here in Alexandria, you should not trust her. Uh, Michonne knows who they are and, yeah. and who she is, and, and, and um, Aaron knows who she is. They know who she is. They know that she's a whisperer. So... Why would you? They haven't had any of the context that we've had from the other no. side of things, you know, for the last couple of weeks. So why but would Michonne, you trust them? But Michonne trusts Daryl. Um, That's and if very Darryl, true. And actually, to be fair for any of us, if Daryl is bringing her in, yeah, he's not that stupid anymore. I don't think he ever has been that stupid. No, he's always been quite... He's, he's got Switched a lot of common on. sense. Yeah, a bit that, of nouse. Yes. So after uh, they turn up, obviously, there's a bit of a chat between Lydia and Michonne, which I quite liked. Do you remember much of this? Brutal chat. I yeah. mean, Michonne, I didn't like this from her because it is it is so dark and it just goes to show the contrast in the character and where she was and where she now is. She literally goes up to Lydia and says, you know, if I had the ability to remove myself from the situation and save everyone, I would do that. But it's not something I can do. That wouldn't affect it if I did it. But it would if, if I had the... Op- if I had... Very passive-aggressive. <laughs> if I had the opportunity to... Then I would, you See, know. I really like this. Hmm. I really, and actually, second watch around, I liked it more because I now understood exactly why she was reacting quite so strongly. Because at this point, you don't really know, do you? On first watch of this, you, you, we understand that she's been, she's closed herself off, she's cut Alexandria off from everything, um, but you don't really know what led her there. And actually, once you do, I actually thought, do oh, you yeah. know what? Once you know what, she's, what, once you know what she's been through, which do we'll not get put my later. family and my community in danger. Get your fucking self out of here if you give a shit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's bleak. It's a bleak attitude, but she she does a bit of a one eighty by the end of this episode, I think. Yeah, and we'll we'll get onto that. But uh, that conversation at that point, I was like, Jesus, man. 
We have skipped one thing with uh, Horny Henry. Oh, yeah. So Lydia, she, she likes this scar. Yeah. Day bitch. Well, put a pin in it, because I said there wasn't much for Comic Corner, but... I'm just, I'm just I've, thinking of things as I've we go. I've written a list of questions, I'm, don't worry. I'm thinking of things as we go right now. Add that one to the list, Emma, because Comic <laughs> Corner's growing by the second. Right, hold Much on. Much like uh, Horny Henry's... Uh, Penis. You know, well, yeah, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to think of a more tactful way, but yeah, pretty oh, much. Brilliant. Because he must be loving life at the moment. I mean, I, I think he is literally in heaven right now. Um, scary heaven. Scary heaven. Hmm. I fucking lost my place now. Oh, yeah, conversation between Michonne and Lydia. Uh, and then from there, we go back to the past, right? Yes, um, we, we we are getting more interaction. Well, they, we know that Michonne goes to rescue Jocelyn's kids. So that's the yes. first thing. Jocelyn so. has a meltdown. We're not really sure what's happening. She's not meant to leave. And she's like, we've got to go and get the kids. Great acting from her. On both sides, acting in terms of the actress actually acting and the character acting to... Yeah make the you know go rescue these children who are her clan or whatever um creepy i mean it was a creepy shot when they actually go and rescue them and they walk through the door and then these little kids just walk out very reminiscent of some very scary old school zombie stuff and also reminiscent of some game of thrones content um you know oh yeah with with whites and children and zombie children very scary stuff and i know you don't like I just fucked don't, up kids. I don't and like, stuff cre- like that. Yeah. fucked up kids. It's not their fault. I don't like creepy kids. I don't like homicidal children. No, I don't think this. This these these not these kids' fault. Why they are where they are. They've been brought no, up still, in the zombie apocalypse. They terrify you can, me. You can go. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Good. Be legitimately scared. Be afraid. Of these small be very people. afraid. Well, don't call them small people. They're children. Sorry, afraid of these children. Yes. Small children. Correct. Uh, and I mean that was really when they. <laughs> When they eventually got the door open and they just sort of pop out from the yeah, sides, but really slowly yeah, and like scarily, like bloody, I don't know, Oliver Twist or something, but zombie apocalypse in rags. Eugene was there, but he was scared. Yeah, but he was so, poor Eugene. So, poor little Eugene. Poor little Eugene. Well, big Eugene, but anyway. So after that, we get them back to Alexandria. Everything's all nice and this happy. This is when we're having campfire stories of yep. love and friendship and everyone's laughing and everyone's having sleepovers Aaron's there and he's you know they're having sleepovers and Jocelyn has a very frank conversation with Michonne and they have a great bit of chemistry in mm. the kitchen the two those two actresses worked amazingly together in yeah, this they, they did and that's because they're elite actresses well, you know yes. you put good actresses in the show they are going to do good things and give them some decent dialogue and I thought the dialogue here mm. was good if you just walked into the room and didn't know this was The Walking Dead you could think this was like any sort of like housewifey HBO type show, mm. something like Big Little Lies or anything like that, yeah. where they're just having a conversation in the kitchen, like because you didn't. There's no context of anything. They're just no, in the kitchen the reminiscing about their old lives, and that was quite nice for a moment to have that in a show where everything is so bleak. To have these two characters thinking about the good times they had together and just reminiscing and catching up. And I think that also just emphasised the kind of feeling of normality that was then shat all over in the next yeah. couple of scenes. Yeah. Because uh, Michonne, Michonne goes to pick up the kids. Well, not, As you do. Not there. Not there, are they? No yeah. kids anywhere. I mean, this was quite well done in the fact that they go to the pantry, they see the person who was guarding the pantry has had his throat slit. Yep. And the little footsteps of blood. Oh, See, that's the scary part. Fucking horrible. I was like, well, that's a child. Straight away, I was like, that's a child that's done that. Um, or a very big the, dog. Well, yeah, that's the scary thing, though, isn't it? 
that's when you start to think something's not right here. The sewers um, have played quite a major role in um, Alexandria's history, obviously, in the show yeah. up to this point. Um, so when we had a pan down to the sewers, which was part of this sequence to show how they escaped and the transition between um, the future and the and the past, or the present and the past, it was... I was thinking we're going to get some sort of Carl scenes here or something, mm. maybe potentially, because the sewers obviously were a big part of his plan to escape Alexandria, and they were also where it revealed that he yeah. was bitten. So, but I like the way they used it. I also do think it was just quite a nice, subtle reminder about Carl. You know, Judith is missing, and this is also how where we lost Carl. Yeah, basically. It, if if you you've know, been following the show religiously, him. you know the you know the sewers are. Uh, uh, you know, a bad place for Alexandria, but they have been the sa- saving place of Alexandrians as well. So they have indeed. Yep, they have Good indeed. Stuff. Uh, so we go off looking to see what's uh, what's going on. Yes. Oh, this is when it starts to get really fucked up, man. Like, I I cringed the whole way through these scenes. I have an issue, and I know John does as well, and I'm sure everyone does. Watching heavily pregnant women in precarious situations i find it so unnerving and horrible just to have i mean even when michonne was going out looking for for judith which obviously we knew she would but she at this point she looks like she's eight months pregnant like about to pop you know she's she's pretty heavy girl yeah so all of this stuff kept me constantly on edge obviously Mm -hmm. we know that rj is born so we know it's okay well do we though because it might not even have been I mean, we assume so fine. Well, but, yeah, yeah, let's there assume. Is, there let's is a assume, moment without some like, sort of crazy tinfoil theory that RJ is that baby. Oh, I love a tinfoil theory. I know, I know you but do. But there, there's real peril there because not only is she so, so stressed and her heightened emotions could, you know, send her into labour, running around looking after Very Ju- true. looking Very for true. Judith. Which Early labour, possible. Yeah, which was perilous enough. Then the rest of this bloody episode happens. I spent the whole time on the edge of my seat. Both times I watched it, even though I knew she was going to be fine. So they go to the... School, um, it looks like. Yeah, it's like a school or a building or something like that. Probably yeah. a school. Very apt for the kids. I mean, a very dark hallway. Mm. All the kids turn up and there's Jocelyn being all creepy like mother psycho hen. Well, it's just bizarre. I just... In mm. a good way. Um, in a good, scary way. So the kids clearly sort of run the show as well, I think. And she's bred them to... and, and sort I'm of, not sure how much control she's in. Well, that's it. I think they've become kind of reckless and they've taken mm. their own own violence under their own wing and they're you know trying to show off and they're trying to prove themselves all yeah. the time. But when Michonne and Daryl are captured and strung up, I was like, oh, this is giving me um, flashbacks to how we met, you know, who are they called? The... Uh, the people who were cannibals. Terminus. Back in, the Terminus. The Terminites. The Terminites, yeah. I don't think that's what they were called. The, we'll go with the it. The Hunters, as they're called yeah. in, the, in the comics. The Terminites. So I was getting flashbacks to that where Rick and Glenn were yeah. put over the trough and Daryl and then obviously Carol came and saved them. It's that very precarious position where, you know, they could just die at this point. I mean, mm. we know they don't, but isn't it crazy how many times our main characters have been put in this position of almost certain death where the villain is just explaining their plan or whatever, and they've got out of it Postulating. somehow. Postulating. Yes, but that's fine. I don't mind it. You know, it's uh, telly, isn't it? It is telly, in a way. It was, but it for is. me, it was. It was before that. It was when what was the little kid called? Winnie. Winnie or something weird Winnie? name for a kid. Like Winnie, L- I don't know. He weird. looked like a Lucas. Yeah. Oh, that's that's more legit. Yeah, yeah. we'll that's call a, him. Yeah, we'll call him Lucas because it's easier, and we're not hundred percent that his name was Winnie. So no, we'll call yeah. him Lucas. Lucas. So Lucas. Uh, Gets a, gets a slashing on the pregnant belly. That was 
Oh, heart in my mouth. That was awful. So, the, uh, can I just say, the only criticism I have of this episode, mm-hmm. um, the only criticism, is it's not clear how Daryl and Michonne get free. It's like you cut cut to advert break, and then you come back and Daryl's somehow free. You well, kind no. of see that shot of him like rustling yeah. the rope, and that's fine. I get it. I, be- I believe that Daryl would be able to get out of this situation. He's been in it many yeah. times before. I don't believe the kids and Jocelyn could tie the best knot ever. No. Also, I can't believe they could string them up like that that well. So probably a pulley I system. buy it. I buy it. I just didn't like the fact that we suddenly just jumped. Oh, they're free. You know. Yeah, well, I, I get what you mean. But if you can do it in one episode, you've got to get through it. Fair enough. You've got to get through it. Fair enough. Um, but before they even get free, this is where we finally discover where they get these scars from. Mm. The thing that, you know, inextricably, inextricably ties them together. Question. Question yes. for you, because I do not know the answer. Why why are they branding them? Um, brand it, then kill it, was basically what they said later on. So you brand really? your prey and then you hunt it. That's just bizarre. What, so they're I mean, going to set them but... free and then hunt them? Because I don't think they, they would that... be able to out-fight Michonne. Even a pregnant Michonne kills them all. So. Maybe that was... Um... Maybe that's how they were trained to fight. Because so Terminus, maybe Jocelyn would. This is what I mean about the Terminus sort of situation. Because the Terminites treated humans like cattle, mm-hmm. um, herding them into you know canisters and slitting their throats. Very yeah. brutal. This is also like being treated like cattle. Were they going to eat them? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I haven't thought about that. I mean, I just don't know what the branding is for. Otherwise, because you would just kill them. Like, it's safer for Jocelyn and the kids just to kill them. The longer Michonne and Daryl are alive, not only are they, A, a threat, Mm. because, you know, obviously they don't know how much of a threat. I mean, she thinks Michonne's pregnant. She doesn't know what Michonne's been through. She doesn't know how... She doesn't know what she's capable of. Yeah, exactly. And she's never met Daryl, really. So maybe she's just being a bit arrogant here. I think that's probably what it is. But it's just bizarre for the branding. Yeah, I don't know that we're ever going to get a proper explanation of that, and I think it's it's left for I think we say they were going to eat them, which makes it even worse. Oh, do you know what? That that actually even more highlights the comparison I was making in my head at the time of Lord of the Flies. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All I was sitting there was going fucking well, when crazy you, when kids. You get these crazy kids. Yeah, crazy always kids. get the Lord of the Flies reference. Yeah, wild Lord yeah. of Flies eating. Yeah, pretty sure in one version of that they eat people. I think they do. Yeah, so, so maybe that's what it was. Yep. Yeah. Well done, Kangas. But also very painful. I, I've never been branded, so I wouldn't know. And it would be weird if I had been branded. So just saying. I burnt myself but with an iron once. That really that hurt. hurt. Yeah. yeah. When I burn myself for like a second on the oven. So that yeah, I really hurt. worse than that. So it is brutal. When you see Daryl screaming in pain. That's when you know. That's when you know. I mean, Michonne is pregnant as well. I mean, if you're talking about inducing labour... Jesus Christ, a branding might do it. Yeah, branding might do it. Any of that, yeah. to be honest. Fair. Any of these things. She's hardcore, though. So, you know, she clearly is so is the baby. Yeah, RJ. Well, it's Rick's, Rick's you know, so yeah. going to be hardcore. Yeah, obviously. Rick mm. and Michonne created the most hardcore Rishone. baby of all time. And that's what RJ stands for, Rashone Jr. Rashone Jr. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, right, so they escape. Yes. Thank God. Yes. That's a relief, isn't it? Um, but uh, where's Judith? She's missing, isn't she? She's being been ushered, held captive. Being ushered to a caravan park. A te- oh, my God, that's terrifying enough. Been, yeah, she's been taking on a terrible English holiday to a caravan <laughs> park. I'm sorry if you go on caravan holidays, but I'm just, you know, I'm thinking oh of the worst God. possible caravan holiday. I'm sure there's some lovely ones out there. It's more like the kind of trailer park serial killer kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's weird. We yeah. don't have that here, but... No, not really. Well, maybe. Maybe we do. Probably, mm. somewhere. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that was just... She's been ushered off. And then 
that fucking like they get her outside Michonne's stuck in she finally gets back out I'm gonna skip over that bit a little bit because it was just it was all a bit much yeah um, and the only thing we really missed from that is the slicing of the belly yeah slicing the belly we talked about that already yeah. brand them hunt them kind of thing yeah 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 and then Michonne gets outside and Jocelyn gets her with a bit of two before I thought I, I was like Jesus man how I thought she was gonna break her back right Michonne's heavily pregnant she's been clubbed over the head and, and the back look, and the back this piece of wood looks pretty serious, heavy-duty yeah. stuff. Like, literally, that's a death shot. I'm sorry. If you're getting hit by... I was like, Jesus, man. How is she still walking? Oh, unbelievable. But I think the the point behind this, and this is emphasised further on in the episode, is that um, the pure, unbridled strength of a mother protecting their children... Yeah. Um, can, I love that you know, theme. But, I always love that theme in any form of yeah. storytelling. I mean, there are there are examples be it, of be it Planet Earth with David Attenborough, yep. or real life, you know, fiction or non-fiction stories of docudramas, all that sort of stuff. Mother-child uh, bonding, yep, serious stuff. See, I, I love that form of storytelling. There are stories of women who save their children by lifting cars exactly. because of this brute mother instinct love strength. It. Love so that's that. what I think we've yep. got here, right? Um, and she absolutely owns Jocelyn. Oh, I mean, like the thing is, days. like Jocelyn's like, I mean, come on, Jocelyn, you, you've got a piece of wood. She's got a samurai sword. Yeah, come Ooh, on. She, literally slice and dice and it's game over. And Michonne doesn't even blink. She literally gets up, wipes her blade off and then she's like facing up to the kids. And obviously oh. this next bit was going to happen. Um, Before we get to that. Yes. I'm going to ask you a question now, Len. Ooh. So when... When she killed time. Jocelyn, yeah. how did you feel in that moment? Uh, I felt like Jocelyn had to die, obviously. Yes. But I also felt that Michonne, at that point, didn't give a fuck. Like, honestly, I think Jocelyn had betrayed her trust so much that mm. Michonne, it was pure rage. That was pure rage. That was like... It still made me feel a bit sad, though, that I she felt... had to do it because Jocelyn was such a dick. There's no way you can come back from that. I mean, the thing no. that the I thing, mean, no, no, no. Obviously not. The, but. Yeah, I, I think that obviously the thing that weighs heavily upon Michonne with this whole situation is the fact that she trusted her and she was one of her oldest friends. Yeah. But like Daryl said, betrayal. some people just hide the darkness in their hearts, which is obviously what Jocelyn had done. Not only that, the thing that weighs heavily on Michonne here, and I think the thing that weighs heavily on her more so than Jocelyn is killing the kids. Oh my god, yeah, and that I she really doesn't want to do it, and it's because of course you wouldn't. Why would you want to kill a load of kids, even if they are psycho? So since the Grove, which was the Carol shooting um, the girls, the girls, which was absolutely brutal. I mean, I have to say that episode for me, the Grove was more chilling than this episode because just that moment when Carol came back and she had killed her sister because she was like, "Don't worry, she'll come back." Oh, that was horrible. I mean, that's that's some proper psychopathic child stuff. And I was just, that that really got me. And and that was a great, great episode. One of my favourite ever episodes. I think one of the best. It might be the best episode of the show. But uh, this is up there. The way this was cut, pardon the pun, uh, with Michonne, like, crying out for Judith in the present timeline, trying to find her because Judith was obviously gone. And we need to talk about that a little bit as well. With the zombies, with the walkers, she's cutting off their heads and then cutting off the heads. Cut, it's cut very well 
editing wise like about to chop the head of the child off and it cuts to the walker I mean I say beautiful I mean it's fucking horrific I mean that's weird it's beautifully done it's it's very well crafted shot but it is horrendous what they're doing (laughs) they are literally chopping children's heads in half now that is horrendous let's just think how has Michonne not like topped herself after this because I have to say this is this is next level brutal she has just murdered about eight children she couldn't top herself because she's got to take care of our children. I know, and Judith. but it is heavy, heavy going. Even Daryl's face when he comes out is a bit like, oh, fuck, I think, this I think, has happened. I think Daryl's just like, wow, this is yeah. this is don't, what sends him into the wild. This is what sends him into the isolated mm. wild, you know, because he just has no faith in anything anymore. He's like, what these kids, man? These little kids have been, you know, corrupted to the point that they're <clears> that violent and horrendous that Michonne has had to brutally murder them. They're getting killed with a samurai sword. I mean, they gave her no choice. I agree with you. I do agree with you. They gave. I'm her not no saying choice. it's okay no. or anything like that because it's not. It's fucking awful. I mean, she thought she had to get to Judith in time because yeah. li- little Lucas, as we're calling him, was about to go finish her off for some reason. Because he's a little psycho shit madness. So all the while, I mean, you make a very good point about going back at you know the present timeline that's just that runs alongside this uh, throughout the story and that bit where. It is so beautifully cut between the past and the present yeah. with the head choppingy ish yeah. stuff. Yes, um, but, but prior to that, um, we've got a few bits. And so Judith goes missing again. So yeah. no wonder Michonne loses her shit. Yes, and in the present, I love the conversation with her and Negan. So yes, Negan has not really had much to do this season mainly because he's been in prison, and that's fine. And it's kind of the same in the comics. He yeah. has a bit of a bigger role, which we can come on to. But we're starting to see a Negan that is a good person. And I know this sounds weird for anyone who doesn't like Negan or anything like that, but he has a transformative change in the comics, which we can come on to in Comic Corner. And this conversation for me was Negan just being a real person for a change. None of the quipping, none of the joking. He was having a frank discussion and actually being a normal person trying to tell some honest truths to Michonne. Loved Probably, it. Probably, because... Loved the acting from Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, yeah. This is what I wanted to see, that range that Negan, I know that he has. Yeah. Um, so, loved it. And I think also that the reason that he is being so frank and honest and, and normal is because he's probably also worried about Judith. You know, he says some amazing things in this conversation, like, she is your daughter, after yeah. all. So, yeah. of course, that's what she's gone to do. Yeah, exactly. You know, she's Good. a ballsy little... Michonne needs to hear those home truths. She does. She's a, you know, ballsy little girl who knows what she wants. And... And what she believes. Yeah, and it's and it was a great scene, and I think it lends more credence to the idea that I posed to you earlier this half season, Emma, mm-hmm. which is that I think we're going to be seeing a father daughter relationship between Negan and Judith um, sometime in the next couple of seasons, but especially <sighs> if Michonne is leaving the show, which is yeah. potentially going to happen. Uh, it is possible that the only person who can fill that parenting void is Negan, right? So well, yeah. I, I'm fascinated to see where that goes because just imagine that Rick coming back from his 10-year absence from Alexandria comes back to find, ne- uh, you know, Judith calling Negan daddy. Oh, my something. God. Jesus, man. <laughs> so brutal. Like, Rick would just, that would just be, her, oh that would God. be horrendous. Maybe he'll come back for the Owl Festival well, where it's out you know, picking strawberries and tomatoes or whatever it what was. What are you doing there, darling? <laughs> 
terrible flashbacks. It flash forward, whatever it was, Carl's imagination. Anyway. But watching, um, you know, after this point, watching Michonne then run back upstairs to, you know, open the box and find she's taken, she's taken Rick's the gun. The cold python, yeah. Um, and she's left a note saying, our friends need me. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. And actually, do you know what? Did that not just make you think of Carl? Yeah, 100%. And, and yeah. she's following, you know, she may not be Rick's biological daughter because she's obviously Shane's. But uh, she was brought up by Rick and Michonne and Carl and the values in which they and the, the history and the stories of them, you yeah. know, are remembered by everyone and told. Like Rick is this sort of mythological figure, mm. you know, he is the sort of like savior. Not to say that he is a savior, but he is the savior of the Alexandrians yeah. and that whole group and that core character base. So, you know, they think of him very fondly. So it's great that, that all the good stories that she's heard about her father are there. I love Judith. I think she's great. Yeah, I, I do. I know John's got a problem, and he is right um, that she's too smart for her age, and it, that she's been written to be this sort of character that is constantly trump trumping the adults in terms of what they say about certain situations and the moral dilemmas and stuff. And I, that is that is a good point. And I did notice it again this episode after John mentioned it because they sit down at the end, and she convinces Michonne to think differently about everything. So. She is yes, constantly I, correct. I, I I see where you're coming. I I, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, but I do also think that there is an, an element in this episode where she becomes less all of those things. Yeah. Um, b- because she's she's afraid and she's a kid again. Um, well, the- one of the things that we have missed is um, and something that's really key to talk about before we get to the end is is Judith and Daryl. Oh, I loved it. Absolutely fucking brilliant. Uh, they have not hung out enough. No, they're great together. Love that. Simple to the point. There's them sitting on the little, you know, the little bit of decking yeah, new, in the lake. New favourite group potential. Yeah. Daryl, Connie, Dog and Judith. Love on it. On the road. Love it. Love Get that. rid of Homicidal Henry. Yeah, and lose him. Lydia you, could stay, but she won't. She'll she's go a good actress, Henry. but it doesn't make any sense. Just no. go marry Henry in the woods and, you know, Live knock him off alone. constantly or something. Ooh. Well, that's what, you know, she's feral. Not saying that's what happens in the wild. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Anyway, let's just get rid of Horny Henry. I can't stop him. He won't stop. Um, No, I think that'd be a great, great little gang. You know, everyone else goes. They just go off into the woods. I think they're little. None of them really talk that much. No. Perfect. Well, Judith will constantly correct everyone. Well, actually, the moral thing to do here is this. And then Dal will just growl her. And so will Dog. Yeah. And Connie, you know, will sign language it as well. Or just turn her back on them and ignore them. Fair play. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, lo- loved loved the combination. Loved it, and yeah. I hope we get more of it in uh, future seasons and uh, maybe for the rest of this uh, season as well. And I think you forget how much um, Daryl loves Judith. Yeah, little you know, ass kicker. Little ass kicker. And that's what he used to call her. He used to look after her all the time mm. and be very close with her when she was when she was young and an infant. So it is nice to, to the way they were sitting on the bridge, you know, and just having a sort of like it was like a childlike chat. Yeah, it was, wasn't you know, it? And it? I was, don't mean that in an insulting ve- it was way. Very, it was very sweet. You know, it was it was just a very sweet scene and it was a good side of Daryl that I don't yeah. think we've seen Simple. too much of. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, really like that. Uh, so so when our our scenes start to coincide with that beautiful bit of editing and Michonne manages to rescue Judith from uh, bitey zombie man. Judith got a bit kick-ass there, but she fucked it up, didn't she? She was awesome. She is not infallible. No, well, look... If we lose Judith the way we lost Carl, oh I'm going to lose it. I mean, but I would believe that Judith 
would be overpowered by a walker. Yes, because she's like eight years old. Exactly. Carl, not buying it in a million years. Terrible way for him to die. But everyone who listens to this knows <clears throat> I'm raging still about that. Right, so move along. Let's leave it there. Uh, but then, you know, as, as you said very rightly, we get to this conversation um, where Michonne is finally open with Judith and saying, you know, I need to explain to you now, now you're ready for it, why um, why I shut us off and why I did this. And, you know, I understand you want to help people, but this is why. And, you know, the revelation is that Judith remembers. She does. Psycho kids. Yeah. Ugh, I mean, she probably doesn't imagine? remember it in total, but she remembers bits and pieces and like it was like a game and it probably would be like a game and to be fair for a lot of those kids that were turned violent it probably was like a game so that's well, the, yeah that's the thing i mean you know it's nurture versus nature they were brought up to act the way they did and mm-hmm. jocelyn who's to say jocelyn didn't make it a game to make them stronger and make them survive and also you know denial is a great way to deal with the fact you're living in a zombie apocalypse pretend it's a game carol used to teach the girls back mm-hmm. at the prison um you know, about knives and about defending themselves in a manner in which it did seem quite game-like to get them involved in it. So just saying it is a a valid tactic to use to train up children. However, it can obviously go horribly wrong. It can seriously backfire. Seriously backfire. Yes, very much so. Uh, But Judith manages to convince Michonne that uh, we should be going and helping at the fair and and helping their friends. Well, they are going to the fair anyway. That is the established. Well, Michonne wasn't going. Michonne wasn't going. Now she will. And let's just say, as we've all mentioned, the fair is going to be mental. So do stick around uh, for that because that is going to be insane. I think one of my favourite scenes of this episode was the last one, actually. Uh, even though, you know, the, the jaunt whole thing. to the kingdom. The jaunt. Uh, Michonne, Judith, people carrier driven by horses. Mm. You know, they're going along, off the go to see the friends. They're really excited about this and, you know, looking forward to going, helping them out. And they stop. And who are these intrepid travellers coming out of the woods? So it's Daryl, Dog, Connie, Henry and Lydia. Nice. And they all go jaunting off together to the kingdom. So we've got all of our major characters, or a lot Reuniting. of them, reuniting and heading towards the kingdom. And just before the end, yes, uh, as everyone will remember this very final scene, uh, two whisperers in the woods going oh we must tell alpha about this worst whisperer acting ever i mean it was atrocious garbage total garbage i thought it was, was jadis. the whispering whispering enough well you thought it was no. jadis jesus i'm joking i, I know but um we, no, it we had question that the whisperers know about uh the hilltop but they do not know about alexandria and they do not know about the kingdom they do now and now they do so it's it's that it's that problem. So now you know the whisperers are going to be heading to the kingdom, Which as is everyone to, to the, the fair. fair. Hey, look, they get to see a movie. Maybe Carol can say, "Hey, guys, look, I know you're mental and you wear like Walker skins, but have you ever seen a movie? When, when was, was the, the last, last time, time you saw, saw a movie?" movie? Uh, and on that note, I think that probably covers everything in this episode. Pretty yep. lengthy one tonight. Yeah, pretty lengthy because it was excellent. Lots to talk about when it's excellent. Excellent. Shall we move on to Comic Corner? I reckon we should, Len. Uh, so I'll hand the reins over now. Drive your people carrier into Comic Corner. We're going to Comic Corner. Hello and welcome 
to Comic Corner. I thought this Comic Corner would be very pithy and useless, and it probably still is. <laughs> However, there are a few points when we just talked about the episode that have actually sprung to my memory uh, from the comics. And I believe back to our question and answer format that we're sticking with for the rest of the season. Uh, Emma's prepared some questions. I have. And I will answer those questions. Just to say, I will try not to spoil anything in advance of where we are in the comics. I will only compare to where we are exactly or talk about things in the past uh, issues, as it were. And I forgot to say this before our lovely music, but if you don't want the comic spoiled, for God's sake, turn this off now. Yeah, I mean, if you don't want to hear any thing from where we're at in the comics at the same point of the show then please do switch off and just skip ahead five minutes or so and we'll be back outside the other side of comic corner okay question number one mm, mastermind at let's the, go at the end of this episode judith manages to convince michonne to uh, get back on the track of morality and go help their mates now i know obviously different characters different things but is there any scenario where a grimes child convinces a parent no, no? about the fair no no not about the fair the fair is a um, the fair is an event that's been built up to in the comics. I mean, the Whisperer situation is going on at the same time, but I think there's, from my recollection, there's nothing that you know Rick doesn't. Rick's in charge at the moment. In yeah, the comics. I was thinking you know, he doesn't need Carl and Rick. He doesn't need. Well, you know, as we've said, Rick had to go. Rick was the one who goes and rescues Carl and Lydia. Yes, true. Uh, so there is a bit of uh, overarching fear that's going on. Mm. Um, that was a separate comic arc fear, which was the lead up to the Saviour War with Negan. But um, this, there is that sense of fear again, overarching the communities. But the fair is something that's building up. I don't remember there being much of a conversation for cancelling the fair. Okay. So Good. Well, that answers that question. Question number two. Yes. Do we come across any seriously murderous children in the comics like these scary little motherfuckers? So not uh, in a group like this. I mean, I think maybe the comic could explore something like this. I think it's quite an interesting Mm. little remix. But um, I do think that if we talk about murderous children, referencing The Grove, that excellent episode that we mentioned of Carol killing the children um, because she had to. There is a similar situation with... A group of boys, um, I think it's boys, outside of the, when you get out of the prison arc. And there's a situation with Andrea and Dale, believe it or not. Andrea and yep. Dale are together in the comics at this at that sort of point. This is way yeah. back. I'm talking this is this is just after the prison. Wait, I think I've read this. Yeah, so Andrea and Dale are together. Uh, obviously, later on, Andrea is in a very, very serious relationship with Rick. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the love of his life other than Laurie, but like the serious love of his life for a lot of the comics and uh but before that point uh andrea and dale are looking after the two kids who are sort of orphaned at this point i think they've lost their parents and the two kids are slightly bizarre uh similar to the ones in the grove that, that carol sort of trained up and then killed and similar situation i think one of them kills the brother right which is weird so kills his brother I'm making a traumatized yeah, face Sorry. yeah and then Carl actually, no one knows who did it for a long time, but Carl actually kills this kid because no one else would. And at this point, oh Carl God. Carl is quite young. So this is something that weighs heavily upon him uh, throughout the, the series. And he's still alive, obviously, in the comics. So. I mean, totally right thing to do, but fucking hell. Yeah, but no one else on knew you. what to do. 
so he did it. And that's obviously a storyline that got passed on to Carol, who at that point was not in the comics because she had mm-hmm. perished. So very interesting. There are murderous children. There are fucked up situations. There's also uh, groups of children within Alexandria and the hilltop who are reckless, don't really understand the the world that they're living in. Fuck they kids. beat people up and that leads to several confrontations, one of which is with Carl, who is why he gets imprisoned oh, in yeah. this storyline in the first place and why he meets Lydia in the prison. And then they go off and have the similar storyline that he- Horrible Henry or Horny Henry has. So there are kids that cause problems, but not on this scale. Okay. Good, interesting. Uh, my question number three for Comic Corner mm. is only because you put a pin in this earlier. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned something about Lydia being all horny over Horny Henry's scar. And yeah. you went, oh, something else for Comic Corner. Very good. So what is it? Lydia and Carl have a relationship just as, uh, you know, Horny Henry and Lydia are having right now. Henry has replaced Carl, as we just mentioned. And the interesting thing about Carl, if you remember, is he lost his eye. Yep. That happens in the comics also. Oh, my God, I know what you're going to tell us. He has a horrendous... No, you're thinking... You're dirty. You're thinking something else. He has a horrendous scar over his eye and he wears an eye patch, basically. She makes him take it off and he says, I don't... I hate the way I look, you know. I just don't feel... And she she loves it. She goes, I love your scar. And, you know, she, she, she makes him a more confident person to the point where he doesn't end up wearing the eye patch anymore and he embraces Gnarly. the person that he's become. And it is horrendous. Like the, the artwork of Carl's eye um, in every panel in the comic is is really well done and it's just basically a hole in his head. I thought it you were going to say that she like licked his eye scar hole. She does something. do that. Oh, see? She kisses it, yeah. Well, that's not the same as licking it, is it? Mm, yeah, I mean... Still kind of rank. She loves it. I'm telling you, she absolutely goes mental for it. But that's it empowers Carl in a way that he hasn't had for a while. So that's kind of good in a way that he feels like he can finally be himself. And Negan, interestingly, said the same thing to him back in the show and in the comics. You should embrace that scar. Yeah. It makes you different. It shows what a badass you are. Yep. And he does do that eventually. So interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. I like the fact they kept that in there. Obviously... Horny Henry's one is very small and pathetic in comparison oh, to Carl. I've got scars than that. Yeah, me too. So yeah. anyway. Well, uh, let's not talk about our scars. Right, my fourth and final question for mm. Comic Corner. Yeah. Uh, Michonne has a friend that she uh, yeah. acquaints herself with here. So doesn't go well. This is, yeah, I mean, so Michonne has a backstory that we sort of understand in the show and mm. in the comics to her having some sort of a family. And... All I'll say is that she she has, and I and I don't know if they're going to go there in the show with this because this would be in the future. This is in future issues of the comic, okay. so I don't know if they're ever going to go there. But uh, she, let's just say, she has a very good reuniting with someone, and it it changes her as a character dramatically, um, which is interesting. Uh, when I saw the Jocelyn character walk up to the gate and she knew her, I was like, oh my God, are they going with this storyline? I won't spoil any more of it than that. And it's just a little tidbit. If you're interested, read up on the comics. We're on issue 180 something by now and this happens around 170, 175. So interesting stuff. Mm, very interesting. So actually, considering we thought this was going to be a bit of a pants comic corner, that's been Stuffed, pretty damn good. Yeah, then. good stuff, isn't it? Very good. Good stuff. Any other tidbits for us? That's or? it. That's it for Comic Corner this week. Obviously, as we get up to the fair, there's going to be a ton. So just saying, put a pin in it. Let's come back to it. And thank you all for joining us for Comic Corner. Oh! 
Thank you, Len. Surprisingly uh, mm. insightful comic corner. Considering I, hope, I mean, weren't... I'm riffing off memory. So it's, it's good. It's there what... were no notes this week. This is all my memory. So I apologise if I get anything wrong, but I think it's all about right. Usually is. And uh, I'll always defer to your expert comic knowledge. So mm. uh, well done. Mm. Uh, but that is it from us for tonight, uh, for talking about this episode. We'll be back for the penultimate episode of season nine next week. Yeah, boy. Uh, I don't know who's going to be here. It might be the whole gang again. It's I a rare definitely occasion. It's a rare occasion. Uh, I, th- I hope we can get all of us for the last two at least. I do. Yeah. I definitely hope yeah. so. Because uh, we've not, not got much left and uh, hopefully lots of very exciting and traumatising things to occur in yes. the next two episodes. But as we said, that's it for us tonight. Just a few little reminders. As we mentioned earlier, today saw the launch of our new uh, podcast stream, Bastards and Broken Things. So if you like Game of Thrones, please subscribe to that. Listen into the stuff that we've already released. Yeah backlog of season seven coverage yeah. and also our uh, review of the trailer and some previews on some crazy theories yeah and to find that just search bastards and broken things on any podcast app spotify stitcher tune in you name it we're on there uh, just search for us and subscribe that'd be amazing you'll see our little 8-bit characters at the bottom of our logo you know it says a fan critical podcast you can't miss us you um, cannot we would really appreciate the support on that feed because Game of Thrones is arguably our biggest passion it certainly is our yep. biggest passion and it's where we began it is so it's some classic uh, material from us coming out from that and uh, not only that but we have finally got the worst of Netflix coming out this Wednesday evening GMT yes, yes. finally so yep. tune in for the riot that is John and Gareth uh, talking about Leo the Lion I haven't listened to it yet but apparently I, it's funny I haven't either John I think thinks it's, it's funny which is interesting never know whether to you know trust him with these things i'm going to assume it's going to be great mm. even if it's just a laughing at them yeah uh, for the trauma of them having to watch this terrible piece of uh, netflix it is awful by the netflix way they're content. covering a film called leo the lion it's on netflix if you honestly if you want to go watch it try i watched 20 minutes that's quite a lot mate honestly i was on struggle street i was sitting there going, i can't do this so now I've just watched 20 minutes so I know I get a sense of it yeah. and let, maybe just do that and then listen to the worst of Netflix hilarious well I've prioritised my uh, time over the next couple of weeks uh, in advance of our new Stephen King retrospective review and started reading Tommyknockers which is what we're doing in a couple of weeks yeah. uh, instead of Leo the Lion because I don't know if I can handle it nah it's not worth it not it's gonna, an hour and 10 not minutes gonna it's gonna not worth it <laughs> is it an hour and 10 minutes yeah I mean that's short for a film Jesus let's be honest and it's still garbage well okay well, that, that's awful. Uh, but if you do enjoy this garbage, we've also launched Patreon. Yeah, if you yeah. like garbage, nice segue, if you like yeah. us talking about garbage, um, you know, and mocking things on a regular basis and criticising, because we are fan critical, please do support us on Patreon. Link in the show notes. Five, $5 a month gets you access to Cast It, yeah? Yeah. Which is, you can awesome. get released three of those a month. They're hilarious bonus episodes where we reboot and recast other films with different actors. Hilarious stuff. Sometimes we can't make it through them for laughing so yeah. much. You've got, you've got other tiers where you can talk to us on Discord, commission your own podcast on something that you want us to talk about. You can even guest on a podcast of your choosing if you want to. There Any, is once a tier month, for that. Once of your choosing. You, for example, you could be in our Avengers Endgame podcast oh next month. Oh my God. That is mental. That, that is, is awesome. a crazy situation mm-hmm. and a very cool one. So very look cool, into it. Very crazy. Look into it. Support us if you like us. If not, 
Everything else is still free, so keep listening. And thanks very much. And you can keep up with everything that we're doing over the next few weeks and forever, really, as long as that happens, uh, on our social media, which is at FanCriticalPod on Twitter, Fan underscore Critical on Instagram, FanCritical on Facebook, just search it, or you can email us, FanCriticalPodcast at gmail.com. Lovely email. That is it from us tonight. We'll be back next week with episode 15 of The Walking Dead. And make sure you tune into all of the other exciting content in the meantime. Goodbye. See you later. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.